Um, our stress comes from all different angles and all kinds of places. And sometimes it can be kind of low grade, and then other times it just thrusts itself right up front where it becomes uh, unignorable that way. We lead, the, we lead these really incredibly busy lives. And, uh, and we know that they're busy, and we know that they're filled with too much stuff. And people tell us you need to change or bring some balance or maybe cut some things out. Um, there's just a lot going on, and things seem never to slow down. And the counselors and the psychiatrists will tell us that their offices are fuller than they've ever been, that they're, uh, that they're writing prescriptions more quickly and more completely than they ever have before. There's physical manifestations to all the stress that hits us, right, from fatigue to headaches, grumpiness and insomnia. And I'm not talking just garden variety grumpiness like we just have because of our personality. I'm talking extra grumpiness heaped on top of that. And every now and then it just gets to the point where we cry and we go, God, you got to help me. I am out of control here, and I am stressed beyond my capacity to manage. And in this series, what we want to do is we want to look maybe past some of the stresses themselves to some of the root causes behind the stress, to see what God has to say about those causes and what he has to say to address those causes of stress in our life. And hopefully along the way, over the next six weeks, you'll have a chance to build your faith and get to know God just a little better and begin to appreciate his perspective on all the things that you're going through right now. Deep down, we all want to live these sustainable, healthy lives. And the Bible helps us to unpack uh, how we might actually do that. See, God's not distant. He's close. He's involved. And Jesus acknowledged that we were going to have stress in this world, but he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. You're going to have things that make you want to just cry out and go nuts and you'll feel overwhelmed. But Jesus says, I'm with you in that. And so that the better that we know God, the better we can understand his ways. And then it becomes easier to trust him. And then once we trust him, it's easier to stop worrying so much. We're going to address over the course of six weeks some of the different ways in which you and I just get freaked out with stress. And we're going to look at many of the ways in which God wants to speak his rest right into the middle of that. And we're going to use Psalm 23 as our guide. Would you pray with me as we just begin this series now? Heavenly Father, um, as a group of those who understand what it is to feel, know, and, and experience stress, God, would you open our minds and hearts and our spirits to receive from you, not just today, but in these weeks? God, would you connect us to the streams of your peace and grace which await us in this powerful psalm? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Typically, for me, for me, stress runs um, kind of in the background. Kind of, a, I'm a low-grade stress guy. I don't tend to boil up. But then there come these points where you just can't keep it in, inside any longer, and then this stress just manifests itself like crazy. Some people manifest their stress by yelling and screaming or going to do other things. For me, stress hits like the sleep cycle. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like things get too busy, bills get too much, that all kind of comes together, and all of a sudden sleep becomes, uh, it will, it becomes either non-existent on the one hand or deeply troubled on the other. I've had seasons, uh, seasons in the life of the church when we were working with the budget and things were tight where uh, every time I fell asleep, all I saw was the columns from my spreadsheet with the expense account numbers and the budget numbers, and I was in my sleep, in my dream, doing math and waking up and finding out that the math... I, Math with an A, not meth with an E. Don't get excited. <laughs> Actually adding up columns of numbers and getting accurate numbers in my sleep and waking up and being really disappointed because I thought I was getting work done and now I'm just more stressed up because all the work that I did in my dream didn't really count. <laughs> Doing really brilliant things to address that reality, right? Um, 
like watching the most obscure, weird documentaries you can find on Netflix just to try and get back to sleep. And so I didn't really get any sleep. But I know a lot about who might have killed John F. Kennedy. Talk to me later if that's of interest to you. <laughs> and we do that when we're stressed. We get to these weird ways of dealing with them. And one of the ones that's most common to almost everybody is this. When I'm stressed, I worry. It's like I'm so stressed out, I'm just going to keep thinking about all the things that I'm stressed out about. And as a coping mechanism, worry is not great because, first of all, it doesn't accomplish anything. There's a lot of time, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of energy invested in the worrying, but nothing comes out of it. And worry also has this way of exaggerating our problems and making them seem way, way, way bigger than they ever really are. And then if you let it go far enough, worry just takes this toll on your body. You start feeling down, you start feeling sick, you start feeling ill, migraines and headaches, fatigue, emotionally, spiritually, in every way, we just feel down. The, it's no wonder that the old English word that we get worry from literally means to choke or to strangle. Because that's what worry does to our spirit, right? It just it grabs a hold of the windpipe and starts squeezing. Psalm 23 presents God's answers to our worry and to our stress. And I'd like for us, uh, in as much as this series will be uh, all about Psalm 23, I'd, I'd like for us to read this together if we can. Um, and so let's put that up there. And it should sound a little bit familiar, but let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in his paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that. I feel my blood pressure just drop about 20 points just from hearing the words of that song. And that psalm begins with this idea, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I'm going to have what I need. I'm not going to be left in a position of need and want and desperation. But because God is my shepherd, he will provide for me. And that sense of God worrying about provision is so much a part of what we worry about. Notice that the focus of the psalm is not me, the focus of this psalm is God. It's him, the good shepherd. What worry does is it places all of our focus and all of our attention on us and the problems. What God's word does, what this psalm does, is, is to wrench our attention away from ourselves and places it on the Lord who is uh, our good shepherd. It gives us God's perspective. And it says, importantly, the Lord is my shepherd. And that, that Lord is a big, big word there. A Lord is someone who's in charge. A Lord is someone who's the master. A Lord is someone who's the boss, the ruler, the king, the person who makes the decisions and calls the shots, who defines reality and says what is to be. That's what a Lord is. And so when we look to God and we say, He is my Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, we realize this, 
that if we want to walk in all the blessings of being led by the good shepherd, to be led by God, the first thing we need to do is to bend our knee and bow our hearts and acknowledge that he is Lord. Before you can know Christ, the good shepherd, you must first know him as Lord. And so one of the things we'll be talking about throughout the series is we're going to say that Jesus, or I'm sorry, that uh, David in the psalm is writing about the Lord as our shepherd. But he's looking forward to Jesus who would later on in John chapter 10 say, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The shepherd that we see in Tom, Psalm 23 looks ahead to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who died for us. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he, he understands the job description for a shepherd. He knows what makes a good shepherd and what a good shepherd is supposed to do. And he understands that that job description for a good shepherd begins with this. A good shepherd is someone who provides. He makes sure that the sheep have uh, food that they need to eat. He makes sure that they've got water that they need to drink. He makes sure that whatever is necessary for life and welfare is taken care of. That's what's in his mind. He also knows that a good shepherd protects his sheep, right? That when there are dangers and when there are predators and when there are things that can cause damage or death, that the good shepherd, the shepherd protects his sheep from those things. A good shepherd also guides his sheep. He gets the sheep from here where they are to there where they belong. And along the way, he helps steer them clear of dangers that they don't know or understand and get them safely to where they need to arrive. And along the way, the good shepherd, a good shepherd also corrects his sheep. If they're getting out of line, if they're not in the correct place, if they're causing problems, he makes a correction, gets them headed in the right direction to where they need to go. A good shepherd provides all of those things. And incidentally, aren't those the very things that you and I worry the most about? Like, don't we worry about having enough at the provision level? And don't we worry about being safe and healthy and okay? Don't we worry about, am I making the right step? Am I going to the right school? Am I dating or marrying the right person? Am I making the right decision? Don't we worry a lot about, being, about guidance? And don't we worry about whether we're doing things the right way or whether God needs to correct us? We tend to worry about all these things, but David says, the Lord is my shepherd. God is the one who provides those things. Here's the thing. The shepherd provides all those things. The shepherd gives provision, he gives protection, he gives guidance, and he brings correction. The shepherd does all of those things, but the sheep will only experience those things if they obey the shepherd and do what he says. The shepherd's there to give them all of that, but if they ignore his voice and his instructions, they will experience none of it. We long for the provision and the protection and the guidance of the God who loves us. We want that. But if we're not willing to hear his voice and do what he says, we're the ones that are going to keep ourselves from experiencing what is already freely available. My, uh, my in-laws uh, live back in Minnesota. They do some farming back there. And they used to keep some uh, animals as well and some livestock. And they had some sheep. And uh, we were back there kind of early... Uh, one winter to visit, and, uh, and my father-in-law, Jerry, took me out to see his stupid, stupid sheep. And uh, I'd always been told that, that sheep were stupid, and I took it for granted, but, but this uh, brought it home for me. We walked out, and here was this sheep, and they had a, just like a fence, a fence line, you know, with the posts going up, and, and one of the sheep 
had been on this side of the fence, but saw some grass on that side of the fence that he wanted to eat. And so he stuck his head between the posts of the fence, stuck them through, still couldn't reach the grass, but now he's stuck. Just looking dumb like a sheep. Can't go forward, can't go back, just stuck. He was going to die there if someone didn't come out and help him. Now that's dumb enough all in itself, right? But, but that's not the deal. Here's the thing. He saw grass that he wanted to eat. He saw provision that he felt like he needed, and he was going to get it, and he stuck his head through the fence and got stuck. I kid you not. This far away was an open gate. <laughs> an open gate into the pen where all the free food, hay, or whatever else they eat is sitting waiting to be had, as well as the grass over there that he couldn't get to through the gate. All that he needed to do was to walk three feet this way and walk unobstructed into the greatest provision and most abundant provision he could ever hope to experience. All he had to do was go the way which was designed for him to go, and he was in sheep heaven, whatever that looks like. But no, I want that grass, and I want it now, and he stuck his head, and, and there he was. And I was thinking, what an idiot... But then I started to think it sounds kind of familiar, actually. <laughs> it, it, the idea that God has provided a way for me to walk into long-term the greatest abundance that he has provided for me, meeting my every need, every bit of food, wealth, everything I need provided for him. And he says, here's the way. And how many times have I said, I want that. And that's a long way around. I'm going for it, right? You know, saving money, it takes so long. That's a long... I'm going for it. I'm buying it now. Stick my head through the fence, and I'm stuck financially. Can't go forward, can't go back. So maybe sheep are dumb, and maybe I am too. But there's a lesson to be learned. All that God promises, this abundant provision, this um, abundant protection, the guidance, the safety, the correction, it's all there for the taking open access if we will listen to the shepherd and if we will do what he says rather than forcing things our own way to what we think that we want and need. The Apostle Paul had this to say about God's provision, by the way. He said, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He says, if you need it, I'm going to provide it for you. It doesn't say he'll provide everything uh, we could ever possibly dream up and that our, our deepest, greediest desires will all be fulfilled. But he says, I'll meet your needs. I will meet your needs. Elsewhere, he wrote this. And this is, we get a little insight into why God wants to meet our needs. He says, God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, that's God's plan. God wants to walk us freely, gently, safely into this life where he's given us everything, not just that we need, but he's blessed us with the ability to bless others for what they need. We just need to do what he says. If you're, if you're curious a little bit about, okay, what are those steps? How, what, what does that gateway into abundance look like? Um, I will say this. In October, we're kicking off another round of Financial Peace University, a class which addresses um, biblical principles for personal financial management. And it is excellent, and it is powerful. And if you've found yourself stuck with your head through the fence financially, you'll want to consider that. Last, last year, last spring, um, 31 people went through the nine-week course, and together, over the course of those nine weeks, 
they paid off during those nine weeks over $45,000 in personal debt and put $27,000 into savings. That is fantastic. That is something to celebrate. And, and if, if you want to be celebrating something like that for you personally, you can visit the info counter, go online, sign up. But hear what's going on there. People listening to God's principles, applying them, and walking into a greater sense of God's provision than they could have on their own. That's what God has for us. We just got to learn the principles and put them into play. So I encourage you to sign up if that's of interest to you. I also want to take a moment, can I, just to commend our church, to commend our congregation, our church family here. Um, a generous heart and a heart that's very quick to respond to the needs that are put before us, I think is something that God has knit very deeply into us. I mean, when there's a need, this church steps up and says, I want to do something about that. I want to help fix that. I want to address that. Uh, the other week, we took, up, um, we took up on a fifth Sunday an offering for Sir Spokane. Sir Spokane has their offices out here. They do a, a food pantry that's serving meals, uh, are, uh, providing food weekly. It provides clothing, outreach into the community at lots of different levels. They just do a bunch of great stuff. And we took up an offering specifically for that. And just on short notice, unannounced, this congregation raised over $10,000 for Sir Spokane and to continue their work there. That's fantastic. I want to celebrate that. I want to commend us on doing that. And there is a lot of good that the $10,000 is going to do. That's great. But, but like even behind the, the dollars themselves, there's a heart that says, I want to serve the community. I want to make a difference. What God's doing in me isn't just for me. It's for beyond me, and I want to make a difference. And when we as a church rise up like that, I believe it reflects well the heart of God for the world. So, so well done on that. Back, back on track for you, for your provision and your protection, for guidance and for correction. When you need those things in your life, where do you turn? Who, who guides you and shepherds you and protects you? Too often, um, my answer for where I go for those things isn't the shepherd. It isn't the Lord who is my shepherd. Too often, I find myself going, gosh, if I'm honest with myself, I say, my instincts are my shepherd. When times are tough, I just go with what it feels what's right to do. Or maybe things are tough and I need some guidance or I need some provision or protection, and I go, you know what, I'm going to have to draw down on my experience or my expertise or my network of friends or anything to make this happen. But you know what? Psalm 23 is clear. The Lord is the one who should be my shepherd. He's the one to whom uh, I should turn in that case. The Lord is my shepherd. So if we want to make that a reality, if we want to maybe get past our tendency to just take care of things ourselves and get stressed out by it. We want to turn that corner and say, no, I want to make the Lord my shepherd. What does that look like? Well, the first practical step is this, and that's to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. To actually make it known. David wrote elsewhere, he said this in Psalm 100, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. See, at some point along the way, it comes time to, to make it official and to acknowledge Jesus is Lord. I am following him. I'm not on my own. So sometimes, sometimes there's, that's a prayer and we raise our hand during an altar call and say, yes, I'm saying yes. And, and that's how we make the acknowledgement. Sometimes it's just a quiet, private, private um, prayer on our own. Sometimes we fill out something on a tear-off tab that says, I said yes today to Jesus. Sometimes we demonstrate that by being baptized in a public service as well. But the point is that along the way, there comes a time to say, yes, Jesus is my Lord. I am looking to him to be my provider and my protector. 
And when we do that, when we say, you are my shepherd and my Lord, we have to take seriously the words of Jesus who said this. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep. And then listen to this. They know me, and they listen to my voice, and they follow me. What does it mean to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord? It means knowing him, listening to him, and following him, really simply. Right? So knowing him, part of what we do on Sunday morning, we're in the business of gathering together to get to know Jesus better. We, we go to things like Rooted or a, are part of life groups so that we can get to know God better. And that's part of what happens there. So we, we get to know him so that we can then listen to him and hear his voice, right? So the, whether that's the voice of God speaking to us as we read the pages of our Bible and, and, we, and the Holy Spirit brings it alive to us and we hear what it is that God's saying to us in these words on the page, or whether it's just that sense that we have of God speaking to our heart as well, that we learn to hear God's voice. So there's this Jesus whom we're coming to know and we're getting to hear his voice and to recognize it and listen to it, and then we just got to follow. It's not just about knowing and hearing, it's also about then doing what he says. And so to acknowledge Jesus as Lord is, means to do all of that, right? To get to know him, to listen to what he's saying, and then to do what he says. That's the simple version. So we need to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. That's step one. Step two is this. It's believe that God will take care of me every single day. See, acknowledging Jesus is Lord, that's like the big and for all eternity kind of decision, right? But then there's the day in and the day out. And this involves waking up every day and saying, today, in this day, I'm going to believe that God is taking care of me. Jesus uh, was speaking and he said, don't be anxious. Anxious means stressed out, okay? Don't be stressed out about what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear or shall we have enough. The Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek that first. Seek his righteousness. And all those other things will be added to you. They'll be taken care of. And therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will, can be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's saying, look, if you'll, if you'll take today and focus today on seeking God's righteousness and, and his kingdom and putting that first, if you'll seek those things first today, then the worries about the tomorrows will be well taken care of. The translation, the paraphrase, the message puts it this way, um, and I love it. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when the time comes. See, overcoming worry and finding God's peace in the midst of stress, it's a decision. It's a daily decision. It's a moment-by-moment -moment decision to say, am I going to believe that the Lord is my shepherd or am I in this thing on my own? Am I responsible to get myself through this? Because if so, then you should start worrying. But if the Lord is your shepherd and this is taking place on his watch, then there's no need to worry at all. He's going to add all these things to you as you pursue God's kingdom and his righteousness. So we acknowledge Jesus as Lord and then we believe that God's going to take care of me this day and we focus there. And then thirdly, we choose prayer over worry. We choose to pray rather than to worry. Prayer is both talking and listening to God, right? I mean, 
The idea is this, that when I feel either stress or deep layers of worry, I need to train myself that that's just a trigger, that when I worry, it's an opportunity to pray. That when I'm feeling stress, that's my environment telling me it's time to pray. And that rather than spending tons of time on the worrying or the stressing, I cut directly to the prayer and things start to happen at that point. And can I just, I, I need to emphasize this, that praying is a conversation with God. It's not, it's not a monologue. Sometimes we think that praying about my worries and my stress is just going on and on and on and on and telling God about every last one in detail. God, let me just tell you, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that and this isn't right and that's not healthy and this isn't good and that's not going well and on and on and on. And frequently, I mean, God has some things he wants to say. God may have the very words that will set you free from that worry. Have you ever had those moments where God just dropped a word into your heart and it changed everything? Have you ever had those moments where you thought everything was going horribly and then something about whether you read it in Scripture or God spoke it to your heart, you just, God, God was saying to you, it's okay, I got this. I'm here on this. I'm going to work this out really well. I'm greater than this. The healing's coming. If you've ever had one of those moments where you just know deep inside that God is at work, it settles everything. But you know what it takes to hear that voice? It takes shutting up already. I was with a, a husband and wife uh, about a week ago, and, and we were talking about a number of things. And um, the husband in this particular instance, um, he just dominated the conversation. I mean, dominated. And he was going on and on and on about the problem. And I happened to look over at the wife, and I could just see it in her eyes and on her face. She had the answer. She had the problem worked out, solved. It was a done deal. And she just wanted to tell him about it. And he went on and on and on talking about the problem. Have you ever had that chance where you just cannot get into a conversation? Yeah, but I... Hey, but nothing. Finally, she literally raised her hand. Permission to speak. <laughs> and, and, then when she was, and then when she shared what she had to say, guess what? Everything was okay. The long monologue outlining the problem was irrelevant anymore. And all that he needed to experience that was what? Shut up long enough to listen. This may be a week where the prime thing you need to do in prayer is just to shut up. And to let God speak into the situation. And let him lay aside all your worry, all your fear, and all your stress with the word of encouragement that you might hear while you take the time off of doing all the talking in prayer. It's amazing to me how often I feel like I don't have the time to pray. I have the time to complain. I have the time to worry. I have the time to stress and overeat and do all kinds of things in response to that. But, but the time for prayer just doesn't seem to be there. I want to encourage you if, you can, if we can learn to identify in our minds the feelings of stress and worry with the practice of prayer so that the one naturally leads directly into the other, we're going to see an amazing level of peace that we have never known before. A lot of ways to get involved praying here at Life Center North. After the service, you know, we've got people who will come up and pray with you. We've got on our website, we've got a prayer wall, right? You can go there and you can um, input your prayer request on our prayer wall. People can pray for that. Or you can go to that prayer wall, see where the different people in our church family need some prayer, and actually pray for them. That's, that's the design of that. But there are lots of ways. But rather than being a worrying or a stressed out church, we should be a praying church. Because prayer is God's answer 
to worry. Worry is my opportunity to pray. So let's just close with this thought. What has you stressed and what has you worried? Like for you, what's, what's that front of consciousness thing uh, that has the potential to keep you up at night and has the potential to ruin your day? Maybe it's work, maybe it's school, boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, money, job, health. I want to encourage you, this morning is an opportunity to make a decision to let go of the worry, to let Jesus Christ be your good shepherd, to provide for you exactly what you need so that you will not be in a position of want or need, but you'll walk unobstructed into the abundant provision that God has already made for you. Jesus came to save you and to love you and to forgive you so that he can be your Lord. And now it falls to us to believe that and to live like that, to be anxious for nothing because you matter to God. God loves you. He cares about your stress. He wants to transform your stress into peace. Will you today allow him to do that? I want to ask you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, the Bible refers to you as the God of all comfort and of all peace, and I'm really grateful about that. God, we are imperfect people who come to you in imperfect situations. And in those imperfect situations, God, we react imperfectly, and we do worry, and we do fret, and we do experience stress. God, this morning led by your spirit, we just want to we want to let go of that. We want to release that to you. We want to acknowledge that you are Lord. To believe that even today you're taking care of us. To make a decision to release those things into the hands of the good shepherd who loves us. And to commit, Lord, to turn those things over to you in prayer. And so God, each one of us with that specific circumstance in mind. That relationship, that job, that health situation, whatever it may be. God, with that situation in mind, we say, God, we let go of that. We take our hands off the wheel. We entrust that situation to you. God, we're taking a risk of faith and entrusting that situation to you. And we ask, God, that you would do something um, amazing and beyond our imagination with it. And God, as we have handed that to you, our prayer is this. Would you take from us as well the layers of stress, the layers of worry, the layers of anxiety? And God, I want to pray that that this would be a week that maybe we sleep better than we've slept in years, that our waking hours are filled with your presence and your peace in ways that are deeper and more powerful than we've experienced maybe in our whole life. God, we give these things to you and thank you for your promise of being a good shepherd who will provide for us everything that we need. In Jesus' name, amen.